Hobos Collective. Thanks for joining us. I'm the Blue Wizard, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Logar the Barbarian. And joining the conversation today, we have some of the Merry Mushmen, editor Eric Newton and fancy writer Joseph R. Lewis. Very excited to talk to them about their Kickstarter for Nightmare Over Ragged Hollow, but first, some ads. We want to give a special thanks to our sponsor for today's episode, Brooklet Games. Head over to brooklettgames.com for awesome adventures to bring to your table, especially if you like giant bugs, uh, generated adventures, and cool micro settings. Thanks for the support, Brooklet Games. Yeah, so we're going to talk to you guys about... Uh... You've got your Kickstarter for Nightmare Over Ragged Hollow. Uh, well, can I can well, I start with something real quick? Absolutely, absolutely. I, 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 I want inter- to interrupt uh, here. Let, let let me. I am a big fan of what the Mary Mushman <laughs> has, has been doing, and, and if you've listened to to the old Wobblies and Wizards when we were doing that every day, you'll know because it's brought up a lot. <laughs> <laughs> They have some of the greatest layout, design, just art in general in the game sphere that I can that I've seen out there. Uh, they they're starting one of the first things that I noticed was it was a little zine that they put out. And I would hardly call it a zine, and we'll put some links to some of the episodes where we talk about them and where we talked with Eric about previous projects. But mm-hmm. but the first zine was Knock, and 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 Knock is sort of a uh, a collection of a lot of different creators and contrib- contributors into i mean it is beautiful it's it's almost like a little perfect bound book that's zine size or a4 size but it's got like a dust jacket and everything and every inch is covered with useful gaming information it's amazing yeah they're they're pretty fantastic little resources i i love them (laughs) yeah and then i got the folklore bestiary that they put out and that thing we've definitely used at our table actually it's for old school essentials but we've been playing castles and crusades but the stats (laughs) are easy enough to just bring over so we've we've had a few games off that too so i this is stuff that we've used at our table we really like some of my favorite stuff out there so i'm glad to talk to you here about what's coming up next (laughs) (laughs) a a lot hopefully um you know, we're, we've been at this stage where we asked ourselves, okay, are we happy to just make Knock and another project every year? And then we'll have to find other freelance work uh, to make ends meet. And it could be cool, but it would also be cool to be doing this full time. Yes. And But that means let's get other people in the fold let's uh, mm-hmm. anoint people with the mushroom hat uh, <laughs> so they, they can become mushmen with us now you uh, you, you uh, talked about yeah. a mushroom hat a hat earlier before we started recording well, you had an idea for a good little mushroom they hat. don't they, they do not exist yet but there, will be, <laughs> <laughs> there will be red basque berets with uh, white circles on them i like that <laughs> i like that a lot <laughs> so yeah and uh, making adventures has been a an idea that we've had for years. Um, Olivier sent me a link to uh, Ragged Hollow Nightmare mm-hmm. in its first edition with the different title, slightly different title, saying he loved it. I read it. I also found it was great. Uh, and then we started uh, working on it as soon as uh, Joe was in in agreement with us. Excellent. Excellent. It, it, it's, it's, I, so I, Joe, I'd like to know a little bit about the adventure. What what can we look forward to? What is this made for? Et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, sure, absolutely. Um, well, it's a starting adventure for parties uh, level one and two, and we format it for old school essentials. Uh, so that's the current layout, and the original version was uh, also for old school and new school versions. But it's it's was designed because I had a lot of new adult players at my table a couple of years ago, and I wanted to give them the full experience uh, that we all had when we were younger with all of the, the standard tropes and the things that you would get. But I wanted to tie it all together really neatly into a nice little package. So we have a goblin market, and we have witches in the woods, we have bandits in the hills, there's a dwarf tomb, uh, and all of this is, is built together in this neat little town. We even have spiders in a cellar as a little side quest. Uh, and then there's a fantastic uh, actual dungeon adventure in the center of the town. So that's what it was designed for. It's for, for new players to get started and to have experience with all of these classic tropes that are hopefully that is really all well And I think the Mushman did a fantastic the head, job uh, in the layout I don't know, brain of the Mushman, he's, he's doing all the design uh, art direction stuff. So all the praise that you can you send <laughs> through me directly to the Pays Basque over in France. <laughs> yeah, I, and this it's... I. I'm not gonna lie. I, 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 what's what the mushmen have been doing with these books that I've been seeing from Knock to what I see the layout here. Like I'm so impressed. I'm like, this is this should be the future. Like this is part of what I've been seeing as the future of like like the aesthetics and layout and design and role playing games. Like this is kind of top notch stuff. <laughs> I can confirm that Logar has been saying that now for a couple of years for sure. <laughs> I've definitely said that a few times. I, I love yeah. it. It's great. It's it's it, it's it and I. And I I wouldn't be shocked to see some folks, more folks emulating some of what you all have put out there and as mm. in the future, because it is it is some of the best stuff I've seen. I love it. So now, Joe, you are a writer in general, and you've done a lot of game stuff. Could you tell us about some of your background of what you made there? What kind of stuff we can look forward to? Because you're a fantasy writer, as we said. Uh, I'm I'm many types of writer. Uh, by day, I'm a very boring technical writer. Uh, which is a fantastic skill set, though, for writing RPG content. Um, but uh, something like 10, 13 years ago, I started writing fantasy novels, and I was publishing those on Amazon, and I wrote way too many of them. But I was learning a lot about the craft and the work and stuff like that. And then about five years ago, I started writing RPG content, because I, I graduated from being a, an RPG player to a DM, and then I wanted to write my own content, my own homebrew. Uh, and I discovered drive through uh, RPG and all these websites are fantastic resources. And I discovered that it, it's such a great way to generate a bunch of creative content, but then I don't have to write a story like with a novel. I just have to organize it like a technical writer. And uh, the and my, my big goal with any project is I want to make the job easier for the DM because uh, I appreciate what, what, what kind of work it is to be a DM. And I'm trying to do all of the heavy lifting for them so they can have more fun at the table. So it's easier for them to gather up all the information, to present it to their players, and so that everyone have, has a good time. No one gets confused. There's no time wasted trying to figure things out. Um, so that's been a lot of my, the driving force between uh, behind a lot of my work is just trying to make sure everyone, including the DM, has an easy, fun time at the table. How is it you got involved with the Merry Mushman and, and, and we were getting this adventure? I'm curious to know how that, that happens there. <laughs> uh, well, it all came about because I screwed up. Uh, <laughs> about a year ago, I discovered in my email that I had missed an email from Olivier, who was asking me to contribute some material for Knock. Uh, and I very quickly wrote him back and said, I'm so sorry, I missed it by months, I think. Uh, and he said, no, well, we've already published Knock, but we have this other idea. We're interested in publishing an adventure, uh, and we'd like to use one of yours. And we started talking, and we, we settled on this one, and we started working on it. 
But yes, it was all because I missed an email uh, and then apologized profusely. Uh, and they rewarded my lateness with uh, with this adventure, which has been a fantastic project and a real privilege to work on. I've been reading a lot of Elric lately, and and there was a recent uh, you you had recently put out the Black Sword hack, and I know Philip Reed is also putting out one of the first supplements for the Black Sword hack. The and, first, as as far as I know. I yeah, the, that's what I had seen. Someone had said online, but I wasn't hundred percent certain because you see a lot of things online. Yeah, well. We might have missed one, but uh, no one told us about another one. <laughs> and, and and I'm bringing that up just kind of a question, like like uh, it's obvious what the uh, influences on Black Sword Hack were, is the El Elric books, and I'm a big fan of those. So I'm curious about like influences that you may have on your own fantasy writing and gaming and stuff like that. Joe, specifically you, because you're the one who wrote the adventure that we're talking about, but uh, Eric as well. I'm curious about uh, specific fantasy influences you may have, or things you look up to, and. Why not? My, I would say right now, my my big four favorite authors would be uh, Jack Vance with the Dying Earth material, uh, absolutely Michael Moore, Moorcock's Elric material, and some of the more Eternal Champion stuff, uh, Ari Howard's Conan material, and other you know less popular, less well known material, and also Clark Ashton Smith, who is kind of like one of the forgotten forefathers uh, because he was left out of the Appendix N um, because his his work was a little too risque, I think. Um, for, for Gaiax at the time. Uh, but I love that original pulp material. It's, it's fantastical. It's, it blends science, uh, science fiction and fantasy in, in very cool ways before we had clearly defined genres. <laughs> it's dark. It's bizarre. Uh, it doesn't always end well. The uh, heroes are not always heroic, uh, the protagonists at least. Um, it, it's fantastically bizarre and, and wonderfully inventive. And uh, I tried to lean into that weirdness and that great use of language. Uh, that really bizarre uh, flowery kind of language that we get from Moorcock um, and for, for later writers like Jack uh, Gene Wolfe um, and Jack Vance. I'm, just, I'm, not for, I'm not familiar with Wolfe. Uh, he wrote the Book of the New Sun series. Uh, it, I think mm -hmm. that was more in the 80s or 90s, so it's a little bit later. Um, okay. But it's very much like Vance. It's, it's a lot of bizarre language that's all real. They're all real words but they will baffle you. Almost every <laughs> sentence is, is a heavy work with your thesaurus. Uh, I encourage you to read it on a Kindle or something so you can look up each word as you're going along. But it's fantastic, and it makes you think, and I, I try to draw inspiration from that kind of material all the time. Uh, I'd recommend uh, the book of the Newson because I've only started reading. I've only read the first one, like in the in the past year, and I was doing exactly what you're, you were saying, Joe. I was looking on my Kindle, uh, <laughs> looking for words. But I think it's like um, it's like super Vance in the case in the in the sense that it's the world building is like super super dense, and there's no hand holding at all. So you're just dropped into the middle of this old civilization that looks like fantasy but very soon you realize the, the magic must have to be ancient technology and that kind of stuff um and you you feel a bit drowned drowned but in a in pleasant way which is strange but it really works um now that's the book of the new sun correct mm -hmm. And that was written by. Uh, I'll double check that because I had I looked I'm looked it up as you as you said this. This yeah. is eighty to eighty three when it came out. Um, uh, Gene, Gene Wolf W O L F E. I mean, I'll have to remember while I'm editing to throw mm -hmm. a link into the book of the New Sun somewhere online yep. so so the listeners can go check that out. I, I wonder if there's any on. I, I go to Abe Books a lot. I'm a big Abe Books <laughs> person. They got they got reasonable priced used old library copies and everything mm -hmm. else. There is helpful sure. to get a hand a hand on there. I used to use them before. Um, you know. 
shipping became what it is now. <laughs> yeah, it was, the, it was the, yeah the shipping situation has been yeah, yeah it's, we've it's been dealing with it shipping. Anymore. It's, just, oh, it's something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. One well, ship well, gets stuck in one canal, of, the whole world is ruined for the rest there of the too for a minute. Where like, uh, like even before the canal with delays and stuff like that, there was. It, it, I mean, it was what it was, but now, like, this, just with the in- increase of inflation <laughs> everywhere, the shipping is not, you know, holding back any either. That's even that's almost worse than <laughs> it was, and it wasn't great anywhere before. But that's I, that's a side ramble. I'm sorry. The book of the new sun. It's true. All right. So I and I I've not checked that out. It, it's, it's it's this is post appendix, and he was this says eighty to eighty three. So you know. Yes. Possibly, yeah. yeah. That's a game I really want to would like to play sometimes. That's, that's that that possible, Numenera, yeah. but it's one that I don't personally. It sounds want like it may have been influential run. in like the, uh, <laughs> you know, I, and I think Numenera we've had this discussion, sort of haven't we, Blue? <laughs> I've played it once and it was hot, it was hard enough. <laughs> To grog the rules, it uses a D20 because D20s are what gamers like, apparently. But you still have to divide <laughs> your results by three because that's how the oh yeah, yeah. That's how the scale is made. <laughs> um, so the, you do the, the oh the no, don't make me divide. Dividing, no, please. No, I, I, I don't even want to know if I should even say this in the show. You start, but the three is like a multiplier to get the target number, almost like you're what they would call in D- yes, D- something D- like that. It's an interesting yeah, system to, that to do math in your head for yeah. you no know, real reason, <laughs> but rolling the twenties. But was isn't that more of a DM or GM side thing, or is that oh, so the GM isn't doing the math part and they're just letting everybody else? Uh, yeah, that Ooh, I, I think I remember from reading through the rule books, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but the setting is amazing. That's yeah, it's neat. And, and, oh, the and GM the art, never rolls. The art, they do real good solid art. Monty yeah. just does a solid book all around. As for settings, I, you have a general, like, a series of different adventures and stuff like that that are available uh, on drive through and on your site, yeah. which is Dungeon Age. Is that correct? DungeonAge.com? Yeah, yes, dungeonage.com and if you if you're just on drive through uh you can look up dungeon age and find all those titles. Um and they are nominally set in my own setting which is a kind of dying earth setting called Hearth which was just an excuse to have lots of deserts and wastelands uh but also have a world that's just riddled with dungeons. You know, if if it's the end of the <laughs> world there must have been so many civilizations and they're all buried one on top of the other. So the entire planet is just dungeons. <laughs> the dungeon age of the planet right before the end of the world. Plus I love, you know, Elric and and Vance again so uh, that kind of that kind of theming and, and, and that kind of much, nostalgia I mean, is how much the Elric stuff specifically influences. Like, do you mess with the alignment and chaos stuff at all, or uh, yes, absolutely. Um, every one of my adventures oh. has entirely original monsters. I, I don't copy monsters from anyone else's boxes or, or systems or what have you. Um, so I've, I've rewritten like uh, <laughs> skeletons like five different ways. Um, but everyone's original, and and everything is based around the idea of a lawful balance and chaos, just like in in Warcock. 
and sometimes that's built into the settings. Like if you go into this kind of temple, it's lawful. So the chaotic people are at a disadvantage. The lawful ones are in power, that sort of thing. Uh, so it does permeate the setting. And uh, hopefully it's interactive with other yes. people's systems because we still have the words lawful and, and chaotic in other, those other systems. So and now you've written adventures and, not just for, for a, quite, a couple of different, I guess, editions from 5th edition to some of the old school editions, as well as some into the odd stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, when I got back into gaming as an adult in my in my thirties or so, uh, we came back in in fifth edition, um, and that's what I I went from player to GM to to writer and publisher, and that helped kick me very hard into discovering the OSR scene and wanting to explore other systems and other ideas about just the the huge wealth of information out there, all the creativity p people have poured into new and old styled systems of uh, mechanics and storytelling. And uh, I have a stack oh, I'm of I'm curious. Of you have to go through some of the ones that you got there that you're looking to play. <laughs> I love them so much. Um, oh, I'm sitting at the wrong bookshelf. I wish I had my bookshelf. But you no, know, I, I have the Black Sword Hack, which Mushman just put out, which is fantastic. I hope to play it soon. Um, but I also have like, Blades in the Dark and Into the Odd and yeah. Simbrum and... Um, I feel bad. I'm not going to name it. <laughs> UBG, Ultraviolet Grasslands. You know, I have this huge stack of these beautiful games, brilliantly yeah. designed, lovely uh, publications, uh, and I just hope at some point I have the opportunity to play them all. Um, uh, the stuff that I originally wrote was all for 5e, but I, I quickly wanted to make uh, versions that were compatible uh, with retro clones and OSR systems. So I have uh, OSC or OSR uh, variants of all my products. So if you buy one, you get all the PDFs for all the versions. And I've started doing um, Into the Odd variants as well so you can get those those monster stats um, but usually when i write a, a room you know an actual adventure and an encounter i try to make it as system neutral as possible i'm just describing the situation and the people and how they feel and how they react and, and what cool stuff there is uh, and when i create an, uh, a magic item it's always a totally original thing and i try to make it uh, thematic to the situation so it's not a plus one sword it's a shovel that can dig a grave in one scoop and, and that's and, it. So you don't need any mechanics. And I think it's that just, just in general, like using OSE is easy goes. to use in a lot of other editions that are out there. Like, like I use OSE stuff all the time in our Castles and Crusades game. That's really simple to just, I don't even have to do conversion. Like I, I can convert monster stats mm -hmm. on the fly by looking at it, right? Like I don't have to sit here and do much calculation or math. All the information I need is there to run it for most editions. So if even if you're running other stuff, I say, hey, like, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy to grab from there. That's what I do a lot of when I'm preparing for the game. To be honest, it's it's the lingua franca, the the common the common tongue mm -hmm. of uh, the OSR. I guess BX D and D was before. Yeah, uh, uh, like you know, you would you would. I don't know about anyone else, but uh, I have like three or four versions of uh, of BX or the clones that were made before, and that was oh yeah. Always okay. Skeleton mm -hmm. one HD that much AC, and then you would just write as skeleton, and then damage sword and that kind of stuff. Uh, but now that we have a, such a beautifully, it's here. Like it's just like it's within reach of my desk, my bed. <laughs> Every time I need it, I can reference it for work or for the stuff I'm running. I'm actually running OIC tonight. Nice. It's the king for um, so many reasons. And uh, like um, for me, I wasn't like I didn't run BX when I was younger. Like I started, I, I didn't play. I played other games before D and D, 
And by the time I played D&D, it was second edition, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons was the first thing that I ran. And then the group I played with just kind of mixed AD&D and second edition together. <laughs> it was all just a, oh, big, yeah. <laughs> a big mix. We've all done that, I guess. So I I do have many copies of BX, but they're all later ones, like the rules cyclopedias and things like that, and like the clones and stuff like that that were put out. But playing DX, like I, I had to, never really played DX until sometime in the a form of it, at least until sometime within the last decade or so, uh, because you know, we played AD and D for years. <laughs> I've started with it like exactly 14 years ago. I'm just realizing, which is a horrible, horrible thought, but it didn't last very, very long because we got AD and D. Mm-hmm. Like the French version in like eighty four or something like that. So we we kind of moved to the weird, yeah, um, weird multilingual multi edition mumbo jumbo that we we used for so long. Mm-hmm. But I, I've actually run Old School Essentials once, and it was the first installment of that campaign I'm I'm playing tonight. I realized like I've played all the probably run all the the big. Uh, retro clones and all the old versions of the indie a few years ago i just went through all the, the versions i, I rerun ad and one ad and two and everything and yeah for some reason i've I've collect, been collecting those books for so long i'm finally use, using them at the, at the table like uh like they are intended to yeah, excellent. Excellent. I appreciate that. I appreciate that. We're coming close to the time. It's got about a few more minutes. And usually at the last five minutes or so, we like to talk about a, a topic or something that's that's off of the um normal games and stuff like that. And I didn't really choose one going into this. We already kind of covered some novels and, and books and whatnot. I was curious, Blue or anybody else had anything that was brought up tonight that that might be an interesting topic we want to cover for our last couple of minutes. I haven't seen the Barbie movie yet, so... I haven't seen Barbie or Oppenheimer. No, so... so. <laughs> oh, it's sold out. It's sold out everywhere. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Um, ah. <laughs> A couple of people I know we're going to try to go today, so... I uh, I don't know if they were able to actually get to see it, but I'll, I'll I'm expecting good things from it. Actually, well, here's I someone I told that, you not to see was, Oppenheimer I, no, I, first I, because I, I read it. If you do a double um, feature, if you grim, watch it back to back, it leads to some sort of weird dystopian type of experience. <laughs> if you watch Barbie Oppenheimer so you before Barbie, <laughs> but I feel like that's the way I should watch them. I am curious. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I have a feeling I'll find Barbie more disturbing after this, knowing my brain and how it works and how I dissect everything. <laughs> oh, no. All I know is someone I someone I know actually apparently did see it already, and her review was that was great, way darker than I expected, <laughs> and that's all all she left. So, okay. well, I was hopeful that it would be thoughtful and interesting as well as fun. So that's great. Yeah. Well. The- 
the Oppenheimer, the old when we did the Gonzo Times website, the only video we started on YouTube just to host a video of just Oppenheimer sitting there giving his speech, that black and white video. Was <laughs> 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 I so I had interest in Oppenheimer before this, just from previous stuff I had looked of uh, some previous writings I had done when I was researching into him in the Manhattan Project, largely focusing on his what he thought and said post you know the dropping of the bomb he was he was pretty what's the word i'm looking for he wasn't very uh proud of what happened we'll just say that yeah. and and i thought that was interesting that such genocide that we committed was like you know here's the guy that made it happen what does he have to say about what he did and i found that fascinating about him so i'm curious to see the movie because of that <laughs> um yeah that's kind of what my big interest is in that. <laughs> I was just going to say, I think there's a, there's I, a real uh, dig, argument dig to be made that of the because of Oppenheimer Grant was so because I believe uh, like, uh, the, the real never terror to the modern age for would be worse. He said in the comics that he was a priest of Nyarlathotep. And the quote was the end of the ritual to open a new age of wonders. Uh, oh, yeah. Yes, wonders, yes. wonders and horrors, and I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. We're about on time. Before we leave, uh, Eric and Joe, could you get, tell folks? where they can find you online. Now, the, the, the Kickstarter is going on now. This is coming out Thursday, so you need to go out there because it's not going to be only a couple days, a day or two after this episode drops. Well, this is going to still be live on Kickstarter, correct? Sure. Yeah, yeah, it will be for like three, four days. And where will they be able to find all what you currently have out? So we're themerrymushmen.com uh, and you can find us on most platforms except TikTok and the new ones that billionaires <laughs> keep making and we don't really care about. Uh, as as T-letter T, T Mushman. And uh, yeah, and from there, you should be able to get in touch with everyone. And then, uh, Joe, where can they pick up some of your books and some of your games and everything else as well? Uh, sure. Well, the easiest way to find everything I've done is, is my website, which is josephrlewis.com. Um, but if you just want to find the gaming stuff, you can go to DungeonAge.com, and that'll pretty much just point you to a drive through RPG for all the Dungeon Age adventuring you can handle. Blue, where can we find you? Oh, all over, baby. Uh, no, you can find me at, uh, at ThatBlueWizard on Instagram, and assuming it still exists by the time this hits air, threads. <laughs> and uh, you can find me at Logar Hale Crom on, on all kinds of various things that have been popping up lately. <laughs> Um, our blog or our site is hoboscollective.com. And as always, keep those dice rolling.